Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. When you consider your friends, what comes to mind? When you consider your neighbors, what images pop into your head? When you consider your church family, the people in this room with you, other brothers and sisters in Christ, what emotions are evoked? Are they emotions of envy? Are they feelings of superiority or inferiority? Are you afraid of what others think about you or what they say behind your back? Or are you apathetic and don't really care what others say or if they're even here? I've been deeply convicted reading the words of Paul to his friends in Philippi. Like we mentioned last week, Paul is in prison under house arrest for sharing the gospel when he pens this letter to the church that he planted. And Paul clearly had deep affections for his friends in Philippi. For Paul, these people weren't mission projects. They weren't just scoundrels that desperately needed saving. They were his friends who he spent significant amount of time sharing the gospel with discipling, leading them to put their faith in Jesus, and baptizing them. Uh, Look back at at verse 7 and examine the language that he uses to describe his feelings towards his friends in Philippi. He says, I have you in my heart. You are all partners with me in grace. He says, for God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ. And for Paul to say, God is my witness, is to say that he means it with all his heart. Truly and honestly, in Paul's day, people would not throw around the name of God so lightly. Unlike today, where we essentially use God's name as a cuss word. We throw Christ's name around to use it when we're scared or angry or frustrated. or essentially making light of the name of God and Christ, treating his holy name with disdain without any sort of respect or reverence. Not in Paul's day. Paul says it to essentially emphasize the truth behind his statement that he misses, cared for, loved, thinks about, and prays for his spiritual family in Philippi. What do you pray for? Not for yourself, but what's your prayer for your friends? If we were to somehow have your most recent prayer for your friends, family, and your extended church family transcribed, and if it were to scroll on the screen, what would be the words? What phrases would you have used? What petitions would you have presented before God? Maybe you're here today and you're like, Danny, I don't even know what what to pray. How do I pray for you and how do I pray for my friends? You know, many times our prayers tend to be very me-focused rather than God-centered or even considering the needs of others. And there's nothing wrong with praying for oneself, but if that's the extent of your prayers, you're missing out on some beautiful opportunities to worship God and to serve others through your prayers. Today's passage peels back the curtain a bit on Paul's prayer for his friends. If we were to sit in on one of Paul's private prayer sessions and be a fly on the wall, what would we hear him praying for his dear friends back in Philippi? And is there anything that we could downright steal to include in our own lives and in our prayers for others? I think so. Okay, and I boiled it down to three things that Paul prayed for his friends in Philippi. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one is that love, knowledge, and wisdom would grow. He says it this way in Philippians 1.9, and I pray this, 
that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. The first thing that Paul prays for is that the church would continue to grow in love for one another, which echoes what Jesus said in John when he said this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As followers of Christ, we should be the most loving people around. Certainly loving towards one another, of course. And Paul prays that his friends would grow in love more and more because that love will be a distinguishing factor between followers of Jesus and the rest of this world. Could there be anything more attractive to this thirsty, dying, and confused world than people who are so loved by Jesus and in love with Jesus that it overflows into how we love one another? You don't think that if our neighbors on Stanhope would sense a loving people, that that would draw them in? And as it would draw them in, that we could point them to the source of that love. Are we an answer to that prayer? Are we growing in love? in love of God and in love of others, especially our spiritual family? Are we praying this for one another? Now, Paul also prays for growth in knowledge and discernment or or wisdom. In other words, that they would continue to grow in their knowledge of God's word and how to apply that knowledge into the decisions that they make and how they live their lives. He's referencing both knowledge and application. Because it's not good enough to simply know something. You have to live that knowledge out. Which is why we don't simply study to have big heads. We study God's word to have big hearts. There's a synergy that happens when we practice what we preach. When we apply what we're learning. When we use truth to govern and guide us in our everyday decision making and dealings. When God's truth spills over into our workplaces and schools and how we relate to our neighbors and coworkers and friends. So are you an answer to this prayer, growing both in knowledge and discernment? Are you praying this for your spiritual family? You know, I love how one commentator sums up this verse. He says this, Be this type of Christian, biblically informed and deeply affectionate. And this is Paul's prayer for his friends, that they would grow in love, in knowledge, and wisdom, And this needs to be our aspiration as well. We should work towards being an answer to this prayer while also praying this for each other. Paul goes on to pray in number two that they would live for what's better. And he says it this way. He goes on to say, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. You know, Paul makes mention of the day of Christ, once again reminding us what we mentioned last week, that we're all on a journey. And this process of sanctification or becoming more like Christ is a journey that is ultimately perfected at Christ's return. But until then, it's a day-by-day process. And along this journey, we're presented with many opportunities to deviate. Many temptations are presented to throw us off track. Daily, guys, two roads are presented before us. And the question is, will we settle for what's best? The book of Proverbs says it this way. Why don't you read this verse out loud with me? There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Our spiritual enemy has a way of painting a picture of beauty and ecstasy, of things that will ultimately lead 
to death and destruction. And if we're not careful, we'll be just like Adam and Eve in the garden, presented with an enticing snack, coupled with the thought of being like God ourselves, only to find ourselves sin-ridden and suffering for our own foolish decisions. You know, one commentator says this about this passage. He says, he prays for them to have discernment in order to properly distinguish between right and wrong, between the better and the best, between things that matter and things that don't matter. And guys, there's such a temptation for us to get wound up in the things that ultimately do not matter in the grand scheme of things. I think we're going to end up in heaven in the presence of God, just shaking our heads at all the things that we devoted endless energy to that simply did not matter. And Paul's prayer for his friends is that they would keep the main thing the main thing. Is this true of your life? Or are you simply too infatuated with the temporary pleasures of this world that you're making foolish decisions based on what makes you feel good or what brings you happiness and what brings you a fading satisfaction? What might happen to us if we lived our lives as if the gospel and its implications were true? How would that change how we live, the decisions that we make, what we do with our money, how we treat our neighbors, how we invest our lives and relationships. There's drastic implications of this reality. Unfortunately, many of us simply settle for less than God's best. But don't you see, guys? God's desire, God's way, His heart for you is to experience the best. It's not a restrictive life. Life within the confines of God's design is not a limited life. That's what the enemy would want you to believe. But no, it's a life that is full of joy and his blessing. That's why Jesus said this in John chapter 10. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and life in abundance. Paul prays that his friends in Philippi would discover and live for what's better. And that's what we should strive for as well. And this is what we should be praying for one another. Because guys, the struggle is real. The pull and the tugging of temptation and self-gratification is strong. But we submit to a greater authority and we live for what's better. And lastly, Paul prays, number three, you can write this down, that they would live authentic, fruit-filled lives. And he says it this way in verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Have you ever met someone who was insincere? Like you can see right through them. They were posing. They were trying to be someone that they're not. And you can totally sense the lack of authenticity in them. It's the same way in our walk with Christ, guys. People can sense when we lead insincere lives. Like a dog can sniff out fear, people can sniff out inauthenticity. And when it's sniffed out, man, can it leave a raunchy stench. That's why so much damage is done to the global church every time we hear about another scandal, another fallen church leader, another controversy, because those headlines bleed in authenticity, which leads to close oftenness to the gospel. But a person who's authentic is a breath of fresh air. A person who is authentic lives out what they say they believe. They acknowledge their shortcomings. They realize that they're not perfect. And they don't make light of where others fall short. 
And as followers of Jesus, we can't make claims of the transforming power of God through Jesus and then not see evidence of that take root in our own lives. This is the act. This isn't the act of trying to do something. This is simply what happens when someone makes a sincere decision to put their faith in Christ. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, guys, when you plant a seed and you water it, you tend to it, you give it plenty of sunlight, it's bound to bear fruit. That's simply what happens. The fruit that's produced is simply evidence that all the other stuff took place. And when the gospel seed is planted in our lives, and when it begins to lay roots, there's fruit that is produced that evidences a life change and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why some of you will hear from lifelong friends or co-workers who've known you for a long time. And they'll say things like, man, there's something different about you. You know, you're not the same person that you used to be. You don't do the same things you used to. You have a, a different attitude and outlook on life. You see, what, what they're bearing witness to is the power of the gospel producing what Paul calls fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. It's the same Jesus who is alive and well and the Holy Spirit breathing new life into you, changing you and conforming you more and more into the image of Christ. And Paul's prayer for his friends in Philippi is that they would continue to bear more and more fruit, that they would grow more and more in Christ's likeness, that they would exhibit the proof of a risen Christ that changes and transforms them from the inside out. Does your life exhibit fruit? Does your life bear evidence of God's work in and through you? If not, what is hindering you from allowing God's work to bear fruit? Do you need to get yourself out of a certain situation? Do you need to hold yourself accountable to members of your church family? Do you need discipleship and simply need to ask for help from someone to understand the scriptures and to apply what you're reading? And are you praying for your church family? Are you praying for me? Are we praying for each other? That we might bear fruit and demonstrate to our neighbors and to the rest of the world the difference the gospel makes in our lives. Let me conclude our time with this. Some of you have yet to discover and live for what is better. You've been living for self. You've been living for a career, for pleasure, or for notoriety, or for unachievable or, or, or ever-moving goals, dreams, and aspirations. But you've yet to discover what's better. And there's a reason why no matter what you do, what you pursue, or even how much success you achieve, you remain empty. The reason is because there's something better. You're attempting to fill a God-sized void with things that will always leave you empty. Guys, we were designed on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And whenever we attempt to discover that purpose outside of God, we always fall short. And what you need to know is that God has made a way for you. He's made a way in the wilderness of your life to be known and loved by God to live and fulfill the purpose that He's given you. But it's not by following all your selfish dreams and ambitions. It's only through Christ. God loves you so much that He sent Jesus to live a perfect and sinless life, the life that neither you or I could were capable of living, and He died the death that you and I deserve. God's judgment and wrath was placed upon the shoulders of Jesus at the cross of Calvary. 
But on the third day, Jesus rose, conquering Satan's sin and death, so that by his stripes, we might be healed. Forgiveness of sin, newness of life, a renewed passion and purpose, and an eternity secured forever as children of the living God is made available to you. But it takes humility. It takes surrender. It takes admitting that you cannot do it on your own, that it is but by the grace of God. And today you have an opportunity to respond to God's call. How will you respond? God waits with open arms. Acknowledge your need of Him. Surrender to Him. And watch the fruit of the gospel begin to take root in your life and change you from the inside out for the glory of God and for your good. And so God, we just pray that you would help us to grow in love and knowledge and wisdom. Lord, help us to not live for the temporary satisfaction of the now, but to live for what's better. And God, I pray for every person listening to my voice now, God, that we might live authentic, fruit-filled lives. God, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live for you, that the rest of the world will see it in us. They might see a very real, risen, alive, alive Christ working in and through us uh, for your glory, for your honor, for our good, and for the good of our neighbors. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?